Coming to you from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Quinn Spin. Hey now, and welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of the Quinn Spin. I'm your host, the Quinn. I'm back here on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, YouTube, and more for another rousing and riveting installment of the official podcast of Underground Music Collective. You just heard Revel 9's All I've Become. That has been our opening theme song here at the Quinspin since the great year of 2014. And it will be until the very end of days. And I am joined here on our new interview set here at Helping Our Music Evolve in East Nashville by Nicole and Alex from Nicole Boggs and The Real. Thank you so much for making time on this busy, busy Friday afternoon where the traffic is horrific. Uh, coming out and uh, talking to us for a little bit. Hey. Thank you for having us. So I ask every guest to the show three standard questions. I'm going to ask each of you, whoever wants to go first, uh, and answer these however you want. Those three questions are, who are you, what are your passions, and why on earth would you want to come on the Quinn Spin? Who starts? Uh, who we are is Nicole Boggs and The Real. We're two-thirds of Nicole Boggs and The Real. We're missing our third party right now. Mm-hmm. Sam. We love you, Sam. Sam, also a musician in his own right, Sam Gyllenhaal Band. Yes. Fantastic. Those harmonies are beautiful. Don't tell, don't tell people about it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> We're not here to talk about Sam Gyllenhaal. No, we do. We, we love it. We love that everybody has their own yeah. thing going. You, you, and you do. You all have your own things going. I'm interrupting the three standard questions. That's okay. Like, you're very dynamic trio you are. But anyway, so we know who you are. What are your passions? Animal prints. Passion. Animal prints are one of my passions in sequence. Um, but let's see. Oh, God, I have so many. Um podcasts um feminist literature (laughs) that's one of them i definitely am passionate about um being a representative for women out here and also um sex education pretty passionate about that i'm an Um, amateur ketogenic (laughs) guru oh yeah do the keto lifestyle that's fun like to make food at home Good time. Got a got a mean uh, Parmesan chicken tender recipe. Ooh, yeah. Can you can you send that my way? I got you. Please. Got you. Where yeah, mine's absolutely. supposed to be lighthearted. Sorry, <laughs> this oh, is yeah. not my vibe. This is the balance, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the devil and the angel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, in lieu of any other discernible skills, we're passionate about music. That's mm-hmm. yes. that's our what we do. <laughs> so why on earth would you want to come on this show? Of to all talk the shows? to you, obviously. Duh. Because you asked Duh. us to come talk to you. Uh, that's we true. Talk this about was ourselves. My, yeah, this was my idea. That's true. You, this is a platform for us to talk about ourselves. No one else wants to hear anything we have to say. Why would we want to come on the show? You said, hi, I'm interested in you. We said, what? <laughs> what? Us? Go on. <laughs> well, I mean, the people are about to hear why, because obviously this is going to be a very lively conversation, and we are here in celebration and recognition of the new album, Dystopian Book Club, out now as of release date. August 1st was the release date, so, you know, this is premiering Thursday. So, you know, well, I'm just doing the math, and it's out now on all the streaming platforms. So before, though, we get into the album and everything that led up to it, everything that went into it, I want to know more about y'all. So what led you on your creative journeys? What led you to pursue music and become so passionate about the things that you were passionate about? That's a great question. Uh, Word it one more time. (laughs) So what were some of the formative events, experiences, people, places, artists, of course, that led you on your creative path? Um, I think both of us probably have 
quasi-similar answers. Um, one of the th- unique things about us as a band is that all three of us grew up in musical families. So I'd say that my number one biggest influence is my dad, who is a musician and an audio engineer, and uh, got custody of me pretty young. I was about four. And um, one of our things was that we would sit at the piano and make up songs. He's a keyboard player. And I just don't remember there being a time before music was my understanding and the way the way that we communicated I guess my dad can be kind of a stoic person and I think this was our bond and it kind of starts there and I don't remember anything differently in between so it was always this his method of expression yeah you know his way of getting it out you know whereas he'd be very reserved you know he gets in front of an instrument, you know, in the studio, and that's where that's where you see that different side. And to this day, kind of the way he shows all of us his love is that nobody has put more hours into this project than my father. Oh, wow. CJ Boggs. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Shout out to CJ. Shout out. Yeah. How about you, sir? Uh, I grew up in a musical family, so, I mean, music has always been one part sort of cultural and nurture and the language that we speak. Um, but it's also something that has been a craft something that's pragmatic that that we've kind of taken to as a discipline from a young age. Mm -hmm. So me, I kind of had a, a, I'd say both of us, you know, in a way have sort of a a roundabout musical journeys where my dad was a sideman, a working musician. That's kind of coming out of my teenage years. Like my idea of music was as kind of just a trade, a skill set. And, uh, and then balancing the, the work and the craft and the gigging of it with, creativity and actually writing music has been kind of like that's the life we live is we we go gig to provide for ourselves and we like to be transparent about the reality of of life in the music business so mm-hmm. we try and have our cake and eat it too you know it's that we can you know monetize and make a living with what we love to do mm-hmm. and also express ourselves and, and share you know our own songs and everything with the world that's uh it's a dream yeah. living the dream yeah and to have that room to create you know to give yourself the means to be able to go forth and create freely i think that's really what anybody wants out of this right is to wake up and do what they love you know yeah. that's what we do and obviously um you know we'll get into the themes of the album but we're living in a time when that is more and more <laughs> complex where um just meeting your needs is already difficult enough so to then be able to bring your creativity to the table and somehow find a way to monetize that is is very complex and yes and something we're passionate about like figuring out the puzzle of it all living through history is a wild you know it's it's difficult and it's complex but one thing about the upheaval and the different you know like you know economic collapses and and whole you know everything that's happening in the world is there doesn't seem to be, you know, any lack of a need for art and expression of all the things that fall away and the way people talk about old industries being replaced, like, you know, what we do feels evergreen, feels Mm -hmm. like it's something that people still need, no matter how the, 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 the world changes. For sure, for sure. I've found that almost comforting lately, where it's, I think there was a point in time when I wondered if our, our chasing this path was um, narcissistic or, or self-centered in some. And I think there are some areas in which it can be, but ultimately it feels a little bit like a responsibility to like re- be a mirror for what we're living in at this current moment in time. Mm-hmm. And I think keeping that in mind too, keeping in mind 
the service aspect of it, mm -hmm. you know, speaking to the times, making art that doesn't just serve you, but serves what's going on in the world, serves your community in some way, the people listening, you know, your true audience that you connect with, mm -hmm. you know, on an authentic level, there is a need for that energy exchange, yeah. you know, bet between artist and fan, between artist and artist, you know, yeah. like between fan sharing music amongst themselves, there's, I think there, there's so much room, especially in times like these for that kind of creativity, for, you know, for sharing that art and sharing perspective, you know, how you're viewing those, these times, you know, through your lens and through your own experiences, you know, it's, uh, we, we all feel the full range of human emotions, right? But the nuances and those particular events that bring us as individuals to those emotions, that's what really, I think, gives variety and, and spice to this human experience. And that gives us things to share, right? Yeah. Totally. And so you've had the chance to do that, of course, through your music. And certainly from 2019's scenes from last year to this new album now, a lot has happened. A lot has happened. In the world, personally, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, take us through those times. And, you know, obviously COVID, you know, has a looming impact on, I think, a lot of the art being created. But... Also on, you know, the ways that we've gone inward as individuals and the ways that, you know, we now decide to show up going forward. So I want to hear how this whole composite experience from album to album led to the songs that we hear now on Dystopian Book Club. Yeah, that has been quite a journey. Um, we, the, the band kind of formed on scenes from last year. So prior to that, all of us were doing kind of uh, individual artist projects. And um, that felt very much like a figuring out what we wanted to do stage. Like I can, I can even hear it in the music that it's like yeah. not quite cohesive yet, but we're, we're proud of it. Yeah. But we're just like trying to figure out what we sound like as a unit of people. And um, moving past that, we made an EP that came out in 2020. And I felt, we felt like we really had our ducks in a row. And right. that's when the world shut down. And yeah we had to keep pushing with releasing that record, but obviously never got to tour it or even really perform any of it. In fact, we barely played a lot of that stuff yeah. on a stage. Yeah, um, it was live streams. We did a live stream yeah. over the quarantine jams when we were doing the quarantine yeah. jams on like Facebook Live. Yeah, yeah. and when that happened, we kind of, um, I think we took a minute to feel sorry for ourselves uh, as we all deserved to do. <laughs> and then we had to kind of pivot and go, what are we going to do next? And that's when we decided to start live streaming twice a week, which um, during that process, we were writing all of these songs and performing them for the first time mm -hmm. on these streams and kind of arranging them yeah, in kind front of, of an audience. Yeah, we kind of them in front of the audience, which was a fun uh, sort of experiment. Yeah, I'm sure the real-time feedback you got was valuable from folks. Absolutely, not to mention just the, like, that didn't work, let's try that a different <laughs> way, you know, yeah. just like... Before we put it to yeah. tape, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and we ended up, well, actually, go, uh, please piggyback on this because I'm kind of hogging my time here. We ended up what? I don't know where I'm picking, up, piggy, picking back on um, <laughs> Just the process of, of oh, yeah. so writing and making the next record. Well, yeah, so while we, you know, we had CJ engineer who engineered and produced the whole last record, um, he's always secretly kind of been the producer that's just kind of like mm -hmm. sh shaved off our rough edges and been like a source of stability through, I guess, the, la the three band records and a couple singles that we've had. He's always been there. So he was multi-track recording us um, 
And at a certain point, we kind of had the songs together and we took some of the original recordings and the stems from the live performance and that was the beginning of the record. So a few of the parts that you'll hear throughout this new record are actually a live perform live stream from lockdown. There's definitely yeah. a few of my bass parts that just like stayed, <laughs> which was you know, which was because we were sending them off to a drummer and it was just locked. So it was like, why re why perform this? And we always mm -hmm. perform again. better in front of, a, there's a few of my solos and stuff that like we, we went to the studio and we had like nicer, more stable gear. And you know, when we listened back to what we had originally to work from, there's a lot of moments where I was like, that was, that was an energy moment that was feeding off of, even though it was just a little screen in a silent crowd that we couldn't hear or yeah. see. Um, so that was kind of fun and poignant that you know, our lockdown, you know, invention by necessity uh, kind of spawned the whole root of what became uh, Dystopian Book Club. Which is named that because uh, I decided to be a masochist and reread all of the classic dystopian fiction mm -hmm. uh, while we were locked down and then kind of forced everyone to talk about it nonstop for an entire year. So you literally so. had a dystopian book club. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So what was, what was, was the favorite, like, what was the favorite book among the group or I, was everyone's different? I don't know. What's your favorite? I like the, see, I haven't uh, actually done my homework and read all the books, but I mean, I he read, didn't have to I, because I made him I, talk I, about it. I got it. through, yeah, like half of 1984, but like in terms of like the cultural relevance, I like the idea that, uh, Huxley's Brave New World was like a lot closer than yeah. the idea of 1984, which was that we would lull ourselves into a sense of, you know, not caring if we were in a surveillance state or not caring about stripping a, of our own rights. And it kind of is more insidious and like more sly that way. That's as I understand it from uh, Wikipedia and Sparknotes. <laughs> uh, Brave New World is definitely my favorite. And I had, I had read all of them previously. Mm -hmm. So this was all kind of a uh, experiencing again for me, but I was probably pretty young mm -hmm. the first time I read through them, and um, Brave New World really sat with me in a different way because of the... I mean, we could talk about comparisons to a lot of things. Um, pharmaceuticals, mm -hmm. um, but also just kind of our incessant chasing of happiness mm -hmm. as if it is the end-all be-all, as yeah. if we're supposed to be in a constant state of happiness, and that's just so mm -hmm. unrealistic. Yeah. And really robbing us of the experiences of life and probably dimming our happiness, really, mm -hmm. if we're not supposed to feel what's on the other side of that. Yeah. So I found that really um, enlightening. And obviously Fahrenheit 451 is, yeah. um, I mean, we're like Boy, literally yeah. watching this. Mm -hmm. happen right now yeah. just like don't read those books. books you know yeah um yeah you know and i on the happiness note too you know i think there's such an obsession now especially with dopamine at our fingertips of always chasing that next dopamine hit but the problem with that is the dopamine doesn't have the same effect after a while <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a drug know? yeah <laughs> and there's so that. many ways that like we're just it's just like made is relevant to, to be in this constant chasing state of mm -hmm. happiness. And the more you chase, the less likely you are to actually feel happy, you know, because you need more. You that always need sense. that next thing, you know, it becomes this addiction, you so, know. So the order of the day of the generation is positive vibes only. Mm. Right. Which Toxic we, positivity. We've, we've been wanting, we've you know, been using. Yeah. We have a song with the words in it now. It's <laughs> Championing the idea that there is toxic pop because, you know, positive vibes only really reads as, um, 
you can't have a complex spectrum of emotions. Mm. Like that's super unhealthy. <laughs> and, and I think too, when someone else is saying that to you, it, it's pretty much saying, well, I don't want to hear about your problems. So keep that away from me. Right. You know, there's that element of it too, where people, I, I find personally that people who are uncomfortable with negative emotions will tell you not to share yours. Right. Oh, you yeah. know, and it's, Hello, welcome to being me. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it creates this stigma, you know? It creates a stigma and it makes people more fearful of opening up, which only creates a further disconnect, you know, and a okay. lack of connection. Exploring that myself, learning to be okay with my spectrum of emotions mm -hmm. has A, like, brought me deeper experiences of joy. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm actually noticing when I'm having a great time and like logging that and going, this is something meaningful. Yeah. But also has deepened my relationships with other people. Mm. It's like, I'm coming from a place of I'm going to be open with you about what's going on with me. And therefore you're safe to do this also. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to receive it and not tell you that you're not allowed to feel that way. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and paying attention to those energy exchanges and going toward the ones that are mutual. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very important. And I think, you know, of course, during the pandemic, we all had a chance to go inward. And the, I think the level of success we had with that all comes down to our level of willingness to actually do that work and use that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's a lot of that on this on this album, too, you know, dealing with relationships, dealing with self. Uh, you got sober uh, in the process. I did. Yeah. Um, January 2020. So right. Rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right before we locked down. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure, though, challenging then to go into lockdown and then kind of be sitting with this full spectrum of emotion. Yeah. It was yeah, You a were lot. in January like, <laughs> man, this feels isolating. Yeah. And then, whoop. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, Speaking of isolation. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it was a lot for me. I think it was a lot for everyone. I mean, we were roommates at the time, so he was having to watch the whole <laughs> roller coaster, you know. But, um, yeah, I feel... I'm very grateful, I'm, I, not to say that I'm glad that any of these horrible things happened, but right. I think it would have been a lot more difficult for me had we not been shut down, right. because I didn't have to go play at bars. Right. So I was able to like really remove myself and then re-enter that environment mm -hmm. as a new person that's right. just going, okay, here's who I am in relationship to this now, and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think there are, you know, there are those silver linings that took place, you know, through through the entire experience. I remember the first couple of weeks of shutdown. I was grateful for the shutdown, for the slowdown, not necessarily mm -hmm. for the shutdown, but for the slowdown, the chance to actually just like take a step back from everything. Because like beginning of 2020, things were just, you know, at their manic pace until all of a sudden they weren't, you know. And when you have that chance to go in and really sit with yourself, you know, you start poking a little more at things that maybe you've needed to poke at, you know, a, a little more diligently, you know, and it creates a lot of discomfort, but it also creates a lot of opportunity to reinvent, to then re-enter the world, you know, as gradually as we all had to, you know, given the state of the affairs during the pandemic, but to re-enter the world as this evolved version of yourself who knows more what they stand for and how they want to show up. Yeah. I love, I love the way you worded that. That feels so uh, true for me. Yeah. It, um, it definitely felt like summer camp for like a good three, 
four, five. We it was a good time. We were yeah, having a good time. We were playing spades and yeah. eating Caesar salads every mm-hmm. night. Bonfires <laughs> in the backyard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. all that. Yeah, recreational Caesar salad is what I mentioned. <laughs> Finding ourselves. Can we say that? Is that what yeah, is? yeah. Well, this is the internet. It's Wild West. No wow, here. great. I love yeah. it. Yeah, speaking of not anti-psilocybin. <laughs> yeah. We don't do, I don't do alcohol. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Free your mind and the rest will follow, said the great saints of En Vogue. Wow. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw them, actually, in May. No way. Oh, yeah. They're back doing it. They're yeah. awesome as ever. They right? were on yeah. the, the mixtape tour, New Kids on the Block, Salt and Pepper, and Rick Astley. That sounds amazing. I went. I just I bought myself a ticket the day before. I'm like, I'm going to this. Okay. Oh, that sounds incredible. It was. It was ab- and they are just, everybody's just as good as they've always been. Like, yep. nobody's missed it. And especially in the pandemic, like, everyone's getting a little older. You, you know, that you'd think they would have maybe let themselves go a little bit. No, everybody was on point. Like, they hadn't missed a beat. We should cover Don't Let Go. Don't let go. That's the best. As it, like, doing a, our own arrangement of it. Anyway. What's it going to be? I was really impressed by, by In Vogue in particular. I know? bet. Yeah, because, yeah. like, they, it was like, it was a time machine. Like, going back to the early 90s, like, they were so on point. So, so and I hadn't really heard much from them from the '90s till now. So, yeah. was, so anyway, we're not here to talk about that. But that, <laughs> that was, was a great. I'm, I'm so glad that I was burned that side trail. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, it was such a great tour. And I mean, New Kids on the Block, like they're like this institution at this point. It's oh, yeah. like that was you know, my first big gig was Joey McIntyre from really. I did always like a solo. No way. That. Yeah, it was my first t- proper tour. I dude, guess, yeah. that, that must have been fun. Joey seems like a fun dude. It was great. Um, you were like 19. Monster musicians on there. I was like 19. Um, my best memory was uh, I was in Philadelphia. And do you remember uh, Don Vito from the Bam Margera, Jackass show? Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy, kind of squirrely-eyed, drunk uncle. He was at the show. <laughs> he wanted to meet Joey. I'm 19 years old. And he's at the door of the bus like, can I meet Joey? <laughs> and so for me, I'm thinking... Don Vito's a celebrity. They're both celebrities. They're in the same class of people. <laughs> no, this is a drunk guy in Philadelphia who happened to be on TV as a prank. And so I'm like leaning in with the door open. Don Vito's right here. And I'm like, hey, is it cool? He wants to come meet you, Joey. Joey's in the front and he just looks. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He goes, I, he said, what? what? No, we close the door. And he goes, man, what are you, Buddhist or something? And I, <laughs> I still don't. I know I don't ex- I just chewed on it so much like wow maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about that now is maybe I, I, am. I, I follow Joey on Instagram and every tour stop he finds a park in a city to go meditate now so maybe he's, oh, he's found his zen. Maybe that, you woke him up. Maybe, that was the beginning. The, yeah. the Don Vito experience woke up Joey McIntyre. That's fantastic. He's oh. He's elevated to his nirvana state. <laughs> All because so of the funny. drunken Don Vito experience. Uh, good stuff. That's beautiful. Yeah. My sister actually met Joey. He did right before they went on tour. He was doing uh, theater in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, my sister went to the show and like her profile picture. She was a Joey girl. Like, you know, she's she's a little older than me. So like that was like right in her wheelhouse. That's why I'm a fan of New Kids on the Block because I have an older sister. And... At least that's what I tell people. And uh, yeah, she she was a Joey girl through and through. So like I see this picture, I'm like, that's Joey McIntyre. And yeah. yeah, apparently nicest guy. I was always a Jordan guy myself. Like Jordan, Jordan's a good, yeah. Jordan's I actually my hero. don't know these people's Jordan names. Jordan, yeah, he's a good hang. He hung around for some shows. He's oh, a good yeah? dude, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was like just a few years past this craze. Yeah. So like Hanson was my. Sure. Yeah. Bop, yeah. That was my shit. 
mm-hmm. which they were just at the Ryman. Yeah, they're still freaking awesome. Yeah, they've always been awesome. <laughs> yeah, Incredible like, musicians. And like, great band. I feel like a lot of people... Underrated. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people don't understand that like Hanson like, can go. Like, they can really, like, hang with the best. They're also, like, yeah. we talk a lot about what is rock and roll, right? Like, how do you define this? I feel like it's shifted so much over the years. But to me, this kind of definition of where we're coming from with the 70s-influenced band dynamics, Hanson is, like, straight-up rock and roll to me. It's, like, so funny that they're considered kind of cheesy. Like, right. they're like a true rock band. And I think, well, they're, I'm glad you brought <laughs> them up because they're a good example of somebody who, like, they are just quietly going about their way and they make music and put out records every couple of years, but they're way past their big rocket ride years of right. fame. And it's not really about like what's popular, what's trendy. They mm-hmm. just, they have a, like they're a, they're a dream idea of just like you have your core fan base and mm-hmm. you can just make the music you make for your yeah. people mm-hmm. over yeah. the years and that's it. And know? they built such a strong community among their fan base too. Uh, my friend Jenna is a huge Hanson fan. Like has been, uh, I don't even know how many shows. Was that the Ryman show? Goes out to Tulsa for their like annual like Hanson Tulsa yeah, yeah. convention or whatever. And yeah, that's the thing. They do such a good job of keeping their fans engaged over the years, you know, and they're, they are, they're a perfect example of like, find your audience and engage that audience. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about everything outside. I love you know? that. That's my idea of like, that's all we ask for. We just need an mbop, you know, a giant worldwide gigantic hit. And then we go <laughs> off and do whatever we want to do. That's, that's not too much to ask for. <laughs> well, I think the time yeah. we're living in, like, there are ways to develop that, what you're describing, without having to have a big number one hit, you know? And yeah. I, I don't know that we have figured that out yet, but we are certainly trying to. Having <laughs> like, fun in the process. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the great live shows are another thing, which you have one coming up to celebrate, celebrate the release of the album yes. on August 31st. August 31st. So tell us a little bit about that. Get your tickets. Um, we're really excited about this. So uh, Analog is definitely our favorite room in Nashville. It's gorgeous. It sounds amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, it, I told, I texted a friend the other day. I said, I feel like a princess when I'm there. It's like my Disney dream or something. It like, does kind of have that. It looks like I came up with it in my imagination. It, it does have like, ballroom vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like and it's so bohemian just, at the same. Yeah, it's great. Um, it's, it's all the thing. We uh, will have our dear friends, Alicia Michelli and Craig Haller opening the bill. This is all like Nashville faves, but also just family to us. So it's going to be all love that night. Um, everyone playing or people that we've known for like a decade at this point. So that's going to be really cool. We've got Truman House on drums with us. We've been playing with him for the last year. We're really excited about him. Um, what else? Well, what else is there to know? <laughs> we've done uh, some kind of like scrappy single release shows all year all summer leading up to the record release but this is the one that we're really pushing for so if you're hearing this and you're entering near nashville the analog at the hutton hotel on august 31st little plugola it's going to be like the culmination of the whole year really two years worth of work yeah yeah and they're gonna rock it i can attest to this because y'all played a free cobra show with us uh on the nash live end back in april and like packed out the front bar of cobra and that was so much fun. We Just, were yeah, so, yeah, we were honestly well. like, I don't know if I should say this, but we were like shocked at the turnout. We were like, man, well, all these people are here to see us. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great energy in the room. Just like the, the rock and roll club vibe. Of yeah. it. it was like we're having some of our best shows in, in these, these 
spaces. It's fun. Super fun. It was a great night. It was probably one of the best nights we've had out there all year because everybody was just into it. You know, it was just one of those nights where you could tell you you all were into it. The, everybody in the bar was into it. Even the people who were just like at the bar, like were yeah, turning the fans heads. Were great Pepperwood. Pepperwood, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pepperwood's another one. They played another one with us a couple months later, and they, yeah, those guys bring it. They're high energy, you know, and the you you two fit really well together yeah. too. Like Pepperwood's kind of got almost like this pop punk alt rock, like Jimmy Eat World kind of thing going on. Yeah, you know, and. But it's it really worked. Like it just kind of flowed through the night. Like they got it off to a very energetic start, and then y'all came in and just like blew the roof off the place. Yeah, that was one of my favorite nights this year so far. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Yeah, and yeah. we have you again actually in September as We're well. We're excited. Over yeah. So. But make sure you go to the analog show make first sure because that's the big one. That's the big one. Uh, that's the album release. Want to ask another question about the album? And whoever wants to answer this first, favorite song or moment from the record Ooh. Tough. this fluctuates for me um you get the list out hold on <laughs> the wrong answer. <laughs> the scroll there's no wrong answer i think the scroll. currently at this moment in time my favorite song is if you can't be cool which um is the most recent single that mm-hmm. we put out um and it's kind of about the wild west of the internet and living in the digital age and was definitely i was reading brave new world when we wrote it so it was kind of directly inspired there but um it's not just the subject matter it's something about um i'm playing bass these days which is super fun but this is one that i feel like i can really settle into and it feels like a bass player song you yeah. know mm-hmm. like i i'm really setting the tone of what's happening here yeah. musically and i think i'm kind of singing in a different place and mm-hmm. one of my favorite things about playing bass and singing right now is what that does to my vocals that I um, kind of have to restrain because I'm playing a new instrument and having to kind of think about what I'm doing. And that song kind of sits in a vocal space that feels mature to me, I guess, that it's not about showing off. It's about talking about something. Serving the song with yeah. two instruments at once, yeah. You're the bass yeah. and your voice. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Am I just making shit up right now? I don't know. I'm just trying to think of any other answer because I <laughs> totally agree. I think "Can't Be Cool." I mean, it is our most re- recent single, and it 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 culminates a lot of the the themes throughout. That I mean, yeah, the internet age is a wild. I love the opening lines of, of "If You Can't Be Cool." It's like here in the future, we've got supercomputers mm-hmm. for taking your picture in the powder room. It's like we have the, all of this power, and we're using it for <laughs> like that kind of says and so much. Powder room felt like such a Beatles thing to say to us, I guess. I don't know. We'd like to think we we're like way cooler than we are. But. <laughs> in the room. Yeah. I think my other answer uh, in the recording process would be uh, I Don't Want to Know You Anymore, mm-hmm. which we thought was a ballad. We thought this is our ballad on the record. And I'm not sure if you've gotten to hear this song <laughs> yet, but um, we did the basics, tracking on the live stream, sent it to the drummer, Fred Altringham, who uh, is Cheryl Crow's drummer. We love him, one of our favorite musicians. But um, when we got it back, he came in with this kind of side stick groove halfway through the first verse that was like, oh, it's a police song now. Yeah. And it's not a ballad. <laughs> it is like very much high energy. And it turned mm-hmm. it into like a big rock and roll moment that we didn't know we were going to have, yeah. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it does culminate like the combination, the sensitivity of the subject matter, the, the headiness of it and the energy. Like it's, it's an up-tempo ballad somehow. Like we 
we broke physics with it. We we reinvented <laughs> everything. No, I'm just kidding. The space, <laughs> the space time continuum no longer exists because of this song. Thanks, Fred. <laughs> Take that, Elon. <laughs> we showed you. My I, I have a favorite, and it's Queen of the Dive. Aww. I think Queen of the Dive is incredible because like I'm in my mid thirties. I've spent enough nights out at bars striking out to know that it gets old after a while and you have, eventually it's you realize as you become aged like me now that it's not the answer and there's there's an inward journey to take you know from you know from nightlife to you know more quiet nights at home reflecting you know mm-hmm. working on yourself and i think that song does such a good job of capturing that that moment of i've had enough of this mm. you know i think it does such a good job because it's like you fool yourself for so long, but then there's that there that line right before the last chorus. When I get home, I'm probably gonna last chorus. I don't know what word I just said, but but where it's like when I get home, I'm probably gonna cry. Yeah, you know, and it's just like, ooh, yeah, like I don't know that I've ever cried when I've gotten home from the bar, but I've definitely been like, okay, fun's over, and now I got to deal with this hangover Sunday morning, yeah. you know, and you know, recount all the ways that I probably didn't need to do that. Yeah. I think Queen really. The song Queen of the Dive really typifies us as like this is adult music. This is us in our thirties. Yeah, know, this is a, the, from the perspective of some geriatric millennials, <laughs> um, and I, I and in a way we're just sort of unashamedly like uh, whatever you know target demographic be damned. Like that's kind of the perspective we're coming from is that it's there's a little more maturity to it, and it's like here we are taking stock of our lives. We made it through our twenties alive somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that's sort of refreshing is not trying to play a rat race with, you know, whatever like is considered commercial or modern or, yeah. you know. I was just talking about this with a friend this morning. Um, I've been kind of obsessed with this idea lately of like artists being afraid of being deemed adult contemporary. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that I see it as a badge of honor that like I, first of all, thank you so much for the compliment. Yeah. Um, and I think what you were feeling there is that was happening in real time for me. We wrote that nine days before I decided to stop drinking. Right. Like I actually was exhausted from mm-hmm. living the life that I was living. And I think that um, it is an honor to be able to talk about the nuance and complexities of getting older. And I've been thinking about the song Nick of Time a lot by Bonnie Raitt mm-hmm. that I think is I might go home and write an essay on it. Like it's a masterpiece just in representing what it is to be getting a little bit older. And there's not enough music that is capturing that. And I want to make music for my contemporaries and nothing wrong with youth, but like there are plenty of fucking people doing it. I'm not needed here, you know? (laughs) Um, But I hope that, you know, for people in our age group and for me, particularly for women in this age group, that they're hearing themselves Mm. in these stories. because it can be really lonely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Very well put. Yeah, and there's not enough in pop culture speaking to that. What happens after the party? What happens when those bar lights metaphorically come up? You know, mm-hmm. even, even still today, like, you know, even though even pop music in some ways is getting more vulnerable, it's getting more vulnerable from the perspective of being in your early 20s and being a quote-unquote sad girl, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, there's nothing for, like, the, I'm at a serious crossroads in my life, and this isn't just another breakup that I'm going to pretend to write a Taylor Swift song about. Like, right. this is, like, 
which way am I going to go that's going to serve me one way or another for the rest of my life? Like when you reach a point where breakups aren't the worst thing happening to you. Right. That they are just another thing woven into your experience and they are mm -hmm. still hard, mm -hmm. but you, you have more demons to face yeah. than just that. And I think that there's not enough mm -hmm. being, stories being told there of yeah. like when you're having to make relationship decisions that are actually about the kind of life you want yeah. and not just about yeah. engaging with another person yeah when you, yeah. you gain that awareness that the breakup is merely a symptom of the larger issue mm -hmm. then you can write about that larger issue yeah you know and it's a i think it's a beautiful and very world aware wise place to get to you know and i'm excited to see where this path takes you next so can you give us a little glimpse into the future yeah um we're going i can't believe this is the first time we've done this but money's hard y'all um <laughs> We are doing our first tour as Nicole Boggs in the Real, so we've got 15 dates this fall. Uh, we're really excited about that. It's going to be all kind of regional this time around, but um, we've got some really cool bands on these other lineups. Uh, we're just really excited. Where about are we it. going? We're going to Kentucky, Alabama, Idaho, uh, Iowa, Iowa, um, Ohio, Ohio, Michigan, Michigan. Um, we're gonna, we're hitting Ohio a few times, so we're uh, Indiana. We're around, yeah. Yep. Uh, and then we'll have several shows in Nashville in between. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is going to be September through November. Very nice. So where can people learn more about that and learn more about you and support the band? NicoleBoggsAndTheReal.com. Real is spelled with two E's, like a film. Uh, you'll notice that almost everywhere there's an ampersand in the band, but obviously on a website we can't do that. So spell out the word mm -hmm. and. Or it'll just 404 error you. Yeah. 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 But, you know. Any version of that you type in will bring up our site. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Very cool. So I, we could talk all day. Unfortunately, we are coming up on time, but I want to thank you both for making the time here today. Yeah. We'll definitely do this again. I'm definitely excited to see where this all leads you. August 31st at Analog if you're in Nashville, and then September 15th at Cobra, two Nashville opportunities. Yes. August 31st, of course, in celebration of Dystopian Book Club. And this has been The Quinn Spin. Two ends in Quinn, two ends in Spin. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher, YouTube, and more. I always wink when I say YouTube because that's the new one. <laughs> you can also learn more about the show at undergroundmusiccollective.com. That is our central hub for all things independent music, creativity, community, humanity, and whatever other words I feel like adding to that today. Uh, UMC's <laughs> on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, of course. And the UMC 20 playlist is on Spotify. That's updated every Tuesday with 20 fresh tracks of fire, as well as the latest episode of this very podcast you are listening to. Nashlive.live has info on that September 15th show, as by the time this airs anyway, because I need to update the website really badly, <laughs> as well as other shows that will also be added after I hit stop on the recording because I really need to update the website. <laughs> so go there, learn more about the cool things we have coming up. And Revel 9's All I've Become is going to take us out just like it brought us in. I'll see you next time. Hey now. Hang out and I will reach inside and I will take it.